This episode is brought to you by Odeo Academy. Learn to build the career of your dreams in the fun, fulfilling, and lucrative industry of digital marketing without drowning in student loan debt, compromising your values, or working for peanuts. Learn to build your digital marketing career at odeoacademy.com forward slash JLP and claim $100 off your enrollment entering the code JLP at checkout. Odeo is O-D-E-O. Check it out at odeoacademy.com forward slash JLP and get $100 off with the code JLP. Jewish Money Matters episode 285, Ask Yael. You're listening to Jewish Money Matters, the podcast where Jewish wisdom and spirituality meet your money and your business. Money is a means to serve God in this world with joy, to build a life that leaves an imprint way beyond our time in this world. I want you to discover the secrets to Jewish wealth, to gain practical and spiritual tools to break free from the shackles of financial worry, to design the joyful, rich life that your soul desires. Welcome to Jewish Money Matters. I'm Yael Trush, and I'm so glad you're here. You're listening to Jewish Money Matters. I'm Yael Trush, your host. Welcome back. Uh, it's been a minute, hasn't it? <laughs> At least since our Ask Yael episodes, which I I love, and I'm happy to be back answering your questions. Back to regular schedule, back to regular life. It's hard to transition back from the high of Tishrei, isn't it? I mean, I don't know. For me, it is. It's like this, you're in this high for the whole month, and it's like into the mundane of Cheshvan, but that's what it's all about, my friends. That's what it's all about. I actually wrote a nice piece a couple of years ago about this transition um, on the Jewish Herald Voice, where I write a monthly column. I'll put it in the show notes because it's actually very nice. It basically it's basically about how God could have spread out all these holidays a bit better, right? If he was had better sense of um, organization, I guess. I mean, come on, why smush it all together? And then we have like this month devoid of holidays right after Cheshvan. It happens to be my birthday month, though. And, um, you know, I kind of suggest like maybe God needed some advice from professional organizers or from Jewish women would be happy to provide that 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 feedback. But then obviously, I go on to explain the meaning behind God's quote unquote schedule, right? Uh, and I'm going to put a link in the show notes to that because that's a fun article. Also, note that this week is the week of Parshas Noah. We which I, as I said, that's what we read tomorrow, tomorrow's Torah reading. Um, and as I said in my newsletter earlier, which I hope you're all subscribed to, um, refers to one of the most common stressors of human beings of life. And that's finances, money, right? And not with our audience, right? We, we know, we know what we, we know better, but, <laughs> but really it's no coincidence that so many of the metaphors that we use around money and finances are water-based. Have you noticed that? Liquidity, floating a company, keeping your head above water, drowning or inundated in debt, keeping afloat, trying to tread water, rain man, rainmaker, make it rain, right? Ever thought about that? Well, it's no coincidence. And in fact, Hasidic thought helps us understand that the flood that we read about this week refers to the financial pressures and the turbulence that we that we face. And in this Torah portion, along with the flood, God provides the antidote. And that is going to be going into the Teva, going into the Ark, which the Baal Shem Tov explain refers to the word of God, the words of Torah and prayer, because the word Teva also means word. So in other words, that's our protective environment. The flood is coming no matter what, right? The question is, will you drown or 
will you remain buoyant, right? Um, and God gives us that choice. He says, okay, here, some people are going to drown. Some people are going to have the ability to stay afloat and even rise with the tide. So when we learn about money, when we listen to podcasts and we read books about money and we do you know, workshops or whatever we do, we have to remember, listen, I have something, to, I have access to something that perhaps the rest of the world overlooks or doesn't have or doesn't want to have. And that is the Teva. That is the arc. I can keep a higher perspective in my conduct with money and with work and with business. I can keep completely afloat and even rise with the tide, as I said. All right. And that's a, my, 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 my little Devartora. <laughs> no. um, and you probably heard a little bit about this uh, on my newsletter this year and possibly even other years because I always like to bring it up because it is very relevant to what I do here. Okay, so that's the Parsha. Now talking about keeping a higher perspective, this week on the show, a little recap, if you haven't caught the episode, Monday's episode, on Monday, I talked about, I talked with entrepreneur, an entrepreneur who's definitely trying to do that to keep a higher perspective, um, as evidenced by the journey he narrated for us on the show. I had Danny Gavin, CEO of Optage Internet Marketing Agency and the founder of Audio Academy. You've heard me talk about audio before. And, you know, this show was perhaps about digital marketing, but it was really so much more. I want you to listen to it. I mean, I don't know how much digital marketing we actually covered because it's still there's still a lot to learn and it's still quite a foreign world to me on some levels, I'll admit. Um, in fact, I was just reading a LinkedIn post by him earlier this morning and I have to tell you, this stuff is like, you know, another language, but a necessary one nonetheless. I mean, you can hire experts and you should, by all means, please do. But really, can you be in business today without a digital presence? Probably not. Now, you want to maximize that presence? You need some sort of digital marketing strategy, right? We all know that. So, uh, and, and with that, I'll actually make a plug for Danny's online course, which I think it's fabulous. It teaches women, Orthodox Jewish women in particular, if, if you so want. There's several cohorts of this course, but it basically teaches how to build a career in digital marketing. You don't have to have experience in this field to enroll in the program. It's a professional graduate level course where you learn the ins and outs of the industry and everything you need to get started, either taking your own clients or working for somebody else. And I got to tell you, I have had members of the audience here of among you guys who've done Audio Academy in the past last year and were very pleased and have had amazing results. So I was very proud of that. I like hearing that. In fact, you can probably hear from some of them. You can probably meet them in an upcoming webinar this Sunday, October 30th at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It's going to be completely free. And if really, if you're curious about what Odeo Academy is about and whether uh, something in, in the field of digital marketing might be for you, I really encourage you to, number one, check the website, odeoacademy.com. Uh, register for the free webinar. You can do that there. Um, so do that at audioacademy.com forward slash JLP. That will direct you to a space where if you enroll, you actually will get $100 off. Okay. And 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 the reason I mentioned the Orthodox Jewish women thing is because there is one co cohort at Odeo that is separate for Jewish women. 
Um, not for Jewish women, but for women. So women tend to, you know, some maybe somebody has a sensitivity would rather learn with women. I think that's really cool. And then there's another cohort, which is a mixed audience. So check it out. You can do the class with women only. You can be in a mixed class, whatever suits you, right? It's really nice to have those options, I think. Um, and I will say that this is a great field for for a woman looking to raise a family, which happens to be many of us Jewish women, regardless of the quote unquote label level of observance and all that stuff. Like regardless, I think most of us, you know, want that in our lives and want to combine, you know, a career and something that brings in income with, you know, the satisfaction of building a home and all that. So before I forget, I, I want to reiterate that as listeners of the show, you do get $100 off at Audio Academy when you enroll. So you want to do that at audioacademy.com forward slash JLP and put that coupon code JLP at checkout as well so that you can get the $100 off. All right. Today on the show, we have great questions, questions on MICER, tithing, on investing and on raising your prices. But first, let's go to the Apple podcast review section and pick a reviewer of the week. The winner of the 20 minute call this week is okay. So I have a reviewer here with a very funny uh, Apple podcast name, Sanjay Prajapati. I want to say those were maybe random letters chosen. Anyway, she left this review on August 2nd. I did pretty well reading that. And it says, Incredible. Yeah, Elle's podcast is amazing. I have received so much wisdom by listening. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you, Sanjay Prajapati. I'm so glad. <laughs> Be in touch with me and tell me that you are the person who left the review and I will send you a scheduling link for us to talk on the phone. I look forward to that. I always do. And to everyone else who's left a review, a big, big thank you. And a shout out to my Israel and South Africa listeners to please leave a review. <laughs> I see that we are really low on reviews from your end of the world. And I know you're here. I know you're in the audience. So really, that, that, that's to say to all of us, wherever you are on the globe listening, trust me, when you leave a review, it helps the show tremendously. This, th this really works with an algorithm, huh? We were talking about digital marketing, right? It works with an algorithm. And when Apple Podcasts sees that this is a show that gets reviewed often and has many reviews consistently, it pushes the show up right on the charts, on the ranking, recommending it. That means that it starts recommending it more and more to others who are looking for shows. And by the way, you should know that that's been known to be the way most people discover podcasts, believe it or not. It's through the Apple podcast recommendations. In fact, I've heard from listeners who've told me that that's how they found the show. So yes, I love that you recommend it personally to your friends. That's super important. But let's not discard the fact that the podcast reviews have a big, big impact. So go ahead, spread the love, spread the wealth, leave a review on. And I'll say on my end on the American platform, I see 124 reviews, which I'm so proud of. And I still would love to push us <laughs> to see that number get to something like 150. How's that? Can we do 150 by the end of the year? Is that too ambitious? I don't think so. You're a big audience. Thank God our numbers are huge at this point. So take a minute wherever you are in the world and leave a review. If you need a tutorial on how to do it, hit me up and I'll send you a quick video. I have one somewhere. <laughs> I do because we advertised that uh, at some point last year. So seriously, I mean, once you know where to find the review section, it's not too hard, but it's not super intuitive or easy to find either. Hello, Apple Podcasts. You could do a little better at that, but okay. So yeah, you need to do a little scrolling on your app and so that. Okay. But that's my big rant on reviews. Keep them coming. I really 
appreciate it. Let's see if we can hit 150 reviews before December 31st. Come on, we can totally so, so surpass that. We can do it. And to my reviewer of the week with a funny long name, which I'm not going to repeat again, be in touch with me. I can't wait to chat. All right. Let's hit the mailbag and let's start off with Dania, who sent in a question on what via WhatsApp. Dania says, Yael, I was reading a book called The Joy of Business. Highly recommend it, by the way. Thanks, Dania. I'll pick that up. And the author says that you should pay yourself 10% of all revenue that comes into the business and 10% to the business. So I made a chart for myself to see how I would do that. Imagine the business b- brings in $1,000 in revenue. So $100 go to me. And $100 go to the business. That's her 10% and her 10%. Then $800 left. Where does Meister Tithing come in? She says, the author of the book, the, 10, the 10% to me, to the owner, goes, goes to me before any expenses. The way I'm doing things currently is that I keep 30% in the business, which is for my business-related expenses, and then I take home 70%, and I've been taking my serve from that 70%. I'm a bit confused on how I could implement what this author says in the book and how would the MISER be applied. All right, Dania, first of all, thank you so much for the question. I mean, guys, do you see what an audience of thoughtful, ambitious women we have? You just... You learn, you're really wanting to implement this stuff and you're really doing it. I love it. So without having read the book, let me tell you what I would do. And it's a similar idea, but not quite. And I'm not quite sure what the author means because I haven't read the book, but let me tell you what I'm seeing. And before that, you know, I'll just segue into, again, how interesting that, that we just talked about the fact that it's Parshas Noah and, you know, having that perspective, that higher perspective, I commend you. And I, and I think it's this a great example of knowing that, yes, we can read, you know, many things, but there is a way that we're supposed to do things. And so we have to always keep that in mind. It's not just everything is, you know, anyway, you got what I mean. All right. So this is what I'm seeing, Dania. What I'm seeing you do currently leaving 30% inside the business for the expenses of the business and taking 70% for yourself and then separating MISER from that from that 70% is correct as it pertains to my. So you're doing a great job. You're doing it right. What I would suggest is maybe starting to fine tune or think of fine tuning that system a little bit more. And I think you'll like this. I'm just going to give you like an improvement, like an improved version. Okay. An upgrade. (laughs) And I'm going to, I think you'll like this because it seems that that's what the author of this book is suggesting and you were willing to try. So I would do it based on the concept of Profit First. Profit First is a book by Mike Michalowicz. I will put that in the show notes. And the simplified version of this concept is like this. Say you have $1,000 come in, as in your example. You would separate 10% of Profit First. Profit First is always, according to Mike, um, 10%, okay? And that seems to work. So you would separate 10% of Profit First, and which is that is you make sure that that money doesn't stay mixed in with the operating expenses, uh, you know, with that bank account for operating expenses of the business. Then you leave a certain percentage amount inside an operating account from which you will pay all of the expenses of the business. And you then separate another percentage for your salary, for yourself, your take home. So let's say 10% profit first, let's say 30% operating expenses, and then 60% would go to you, right? Now, what happens to the 10% profit first? 
what happens is this money is being accumulated there and it stays untouched until the end of your fiscal year when you then get to decide what you do with it. You can reinvest it into the company by just putting it back into operations or by spending on an operating expense um, and something that improves operations at at that time. You can pay it as bonuses to your employees. You can donate it to a charity that you, your company feels aligned with, or you can pay it to yourself. If you decide to pay it to yourself, then you would take MISER from that income. You would tie that income. But before end of the year, what you would be doing throughout the year is that you would continue to separate profit first from operating expenses. They don't mix, okay? And from salary. So you have a profit first bucket, you have an operating expenses bucket, and then you have a salary bucket. And again, the general principle is that you separate MISER, you tithe from the money that you pay yourself from the business, i.e. salary, okay? Now, I will say for those of you listener who are listening who are purists, the profit first method does go into more details. And, it, and one of the big details is to have a separate bank account also for taxes. So separating 10% for profit first, 20% or 20 to 30%, depending on, you know, where you are, whatever for taxes, and then some money for operations, and then some percentage for your salary, all with the intent that when you have to pay your business taxes, you're not scrambling for money, it's ready for you there. So I definitely have oversimplified it for you. But it's just a little upgrade that I want you to consider. So If I were to make the initial adjustment to the way you're doing it now, which you said is 30% stays in the business and 70% goes to you from which you then separate MISER once it hits your personal bank account, I would say the upgrade, the simplified upgrade would be this, okay? I would take 10% of the money that comes in, put it in a separate bank account that's profit first, 30% stays in the business and 60% goes to you from which you separate MISER. And again, it could be a different percentage. You could do 10% profit first, 20% stays in the business, and then you get to take home 70% from which you would take MISER. So if you say, no, I want to keep taking 70%, then that's fine. So 10%, 20%, 70%, right? Profit first, operations, salary. From salary, you take MISER, okay? But I do think that that 10% profit first is a great discipline to have. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it, 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 it serves us well when we're running a business. So I would definitely give that a shot and give it some time, give it at least a year. And I think you're going to love it. I don't know anybody who doesn't love the profit first system. And your MISER of 10%, again, is always taken from whatever you pay yourself of the business. So it could be your salary during the year. And even if you decided at the end of the year to pocket the profit first you saved, then that's your bonus, let's say, and you must take 10% at that point for MISER, right? You must separate, you must tie that amount. Okay. Hope that helps, Dania. As they say in Hebrew, good, good work. I'm very impressed. Alisa writes via email. She says, yeah, Elle, I was helping a friend set up her investment account and we had a question. She is single, living with her parents, has been working a few years and has quite a bit of savings. Of course, she hopes to get married soon. And with it, the typical Froom family expenses, including probably supporting her husband in Kolo for a few years. She would like to invest for retirement and also for other expenses like down payment on a house, etc. How should she decide how to divide her investments between retirement and general investments? Thank you. Thanks, Alisa, for the question. First of all, what a good friend. I mean, 
can we all model you? <laughs> I really, really, we all need friends like you. I mean, I, I wish I had a female friend with a little bit, I had had a female friend with a little bit more life experience who had sat with me when I was younger to teach me this stuff or hold my hand. I mean, this is, this is really incredible. This is great. It's such an inspiration. Everyone take a leaf out of Elisa's book and help another woman right? Let's, let's help each other out and grow. Uh, we definitely know that the education system, whether it's secular or religious, neither one of them is doing a very good job at this. So let's help each other out. Okay. So good job, Elisa. Okay. To your question. Um, okay. Yeah. So we talk about, okay. So you have certain expectations of, you know, what your life is going, her life is going to be. Um, and you're in, in the culture of this, this girl is, you know, she's going to probably support her husband for a few years. Not something that I did, by the way, it's not just, just for the audience. It's not always the case. Um, but depends on where you're coming from. And I think it's important for us to know, like, what is it that we want to achieve? So she already knows that that's part of her objectives. And we're going to talk about this because it's really important to um, kind of address your question. Okay. So before we get to the objectives, my first question to you is, or to her really, does her employer offer a retirement plan? If they do, then we got to look at that. If not, I would encourage her to open a Roth IRA at her age and her income. She should qualify and she should start investing the $6,000 a year max towards retirement. She can set up an automatic monthly payment out of her paycheck into her account so that she's just doing it and not feeling it, right? Just getting it done. And then you say she has quite a bit of savings and you know, it's, it's hard to, that could be $5,000 or could be $50,000 or who knows what, right? So I would say based on the amount that she has, which hopefully she'll share with you, you have a conversation with her about the concept of objectives, right? What is the money for? Is some or all of that money meant to be an opportunity fund? Is it meant to be those three to six months of expenses that we traditionally recommend a person has in liquid savings in case of an opportunity or challenge? I don't like calling it an emergency, but it's really what people in the personal finance space call an emergency fund. Okay. So that amount, whatever it is, is not the one that she's going to use for her down payment of her house or any other goal beyond that. Let's see what amount she has and what of that amount is going to be earmarked for that. Beyond that amount, she can earmark whatever is left over, assuming she already has money above the three to six months of ex basic li living expenses. And that level is whatever she likes, right? It's totally personal. So assuming she has that, whatever that level is maybe it's six months maybe it's three months and again we don't know everybody's basic expenses is a different number right so assuming she has that then that money the extra money is say perhaps for the goal of a home or whatever the other goal is right so once she's decided on what's the immediate goal beyond the opportunity fund whether it's again the home or paying for her wedding or whatever it is then she can start contributing to that and i would also automate it and in terms of investing that money you don't you, you know I, I don't know what to tell you uh, it really depends on how long term her goal is it sounds like these are goals that are in less than 7 years time so i really wouldn't be investing the money um, that's what it sounds from what what you're describing because she's already looking to get married she wants to be able to support her husband that first year of marriage so that's a goal right there then there's another goal to purchase a property um you know that might be also a shorter term goal i'm not sure but i think it's it's important to sit with her and kind of like get a sense of the objectives and the timeline 
another thing I'll say is if we had had maybe, you know, the, the big news this week was about I-bonds, which we've talked about on the show. Um, and if she, you know, she could consider if she has extra money beyond that opportunity fund um, for these, what sound to me to be short-term goals, um, she could consider putting money on I-bonds perhaps, which up till today, October 28th, uh, was paying upwards of, nine, I think it was 9.62%. And, and it's it's actually the highest rate ever offered on I-bonds. In fact, there was such an influx, such a rush to buy I-bonds this week. I don't know if you heard that in the news, but uh, because of the due date <laughs> that the US Treasury website crashed. That was really funny, a funny, not so funny news this week. But basically the interest in those now after November 1st is going to be 6.24%. So, I mean, that's really... Uh, pretty hard to beat. So, I mean, I would have a conversation with her. I spoke about the pros and cons of I-bonds in another Ask Yael episode. I will look at... Um, I will look at... I, I want to say it's 277, but I'm not 100% sure. Um, I will put that on the show notes. It could be two. 274. It, it's, it's definitely recent. It's re- definitely recent. It's in the 270s. Okay. So in the 270s episodes of the Ask Yells and the 270s, there is, um, there's an explanation of the pros and cons of I-bonds. Um, but in a nutshell, you are required to hold the I-bonds for 12 months. Um, but in her in 12 months, but that, you know, in her case, she might not need that money in such a short amount of time. Again, this is why objectives are so important. Another thing to consider is that you'll only know the rate that you're going to get over the next six months. But at this point, hey, no, starting November 1st, you're getting 6.24%. What you're going to get later, um, we don't know. But one thing is for sure, you're never going to get below 0%. So anyway, I would consider that. You can always take the money out um, after a year. You could take, um, yeah, I, I can't remember. I, for, you for sure can take it out after a year. If you take it out before five years, I think you lose like six months of interest. But still, you've earned, you know, you've earned your share. So I think, you know, I think I kind of like that overrides that but you're probably going to be getting more than a cd right now you will uh so start with goals with objectives her time frame that's very important right and then discuss some of these options again if this is money that she wants to have within the next access to within the next five to seven years i probably wouldn't be putting it in the stock market her retirement money yes most definitely so encourage her to open that roth ira and to max it out asap Start investing, um, especially now when she's getting in at low prices in the market. So thanks, Elisa. And thanks again for being a good friend and a good role model. All right. The next question comes from Miriam. Miriam asks, Yael, my business owner friends and I were having a debate about increasing prices for or raising prices. For many of us, our cost of production and cost of serving our clients have increased. And so there's increased pressure to raise our prices at the end of the year. But we're hearing from others that that's not a good idea because you'll lose business. How should we be looking at this? What is your advice? Thanks for the question, Miriam. Okay, I will tell you, I'm not afraid of raising prices. And um, I would encourage you to consider this and to discourage and I'll discourage you from listening to those who say you will lose business. Um, That, you know, 
that's not to say that you and only you know your business and your clients and you have the choice to make the decision of whether you, your service or product stays at the current price or increases. You might decide that, that, that a price increase is not right for you, your clients, you know, at the moment. But when you make that decision, I want you to make it not out of fear of losing business. If you make the decision to keep it, your service or your product the same price, I want it to be a decision based on a bigger why than just fear of losing business. It has to be something that's coming from a place of knowing your industry, knowing your customer, knowing your values, knowing your mission. So you get to decide if they the prices stay the same, but let it be from a place of confidence and knowledge, the knowledge of the knowing of what direction you want your business to take and how you want to serve your clients, etc., and not from a place of fear. And if you are inclined to raise your prices because you see that that's the way you will be able to keep serving your customers better, which includes properly covering for your operating costs and your cost of living, then please, by all means, do, but do so again from a place of confidence and the knowledge and understanding of your business. And don't be scared to lose customers. Most likely you won't, or you'll only lose a small percentage, but then you'll also gain others. So I just, I really wouldn't worry too much about that. What I would encourage you to do also is to have proper communication. I think communication is key. So don't just surprise your clients with an invoice at the end of January that is 10 or 20% higher. Let them know sometime ahead of time in December, say that prices are increasing. Okay. All right. Thanks for the question. Thanks, Dania, Alisa, and Miriam. Thanks everyone for being here. Be sure to leave a review and rating on the Apple podcast platform. And I will continue to pick a reviewer of the week and connect with you for a 20 minute session to talk about your money, your business, whatever's on your mind. I hope everybody has a Shabbat Shalom and I'll see you here Monday for an amazing episode. 9-11 is coming to the show. Stay tuned. See you. Have a Shabbat Shalom.